May God bless the reading of the scripture this morning. And may the words of my mouth be just what we all need to hear this morning. There's an old story about a churchgoer who was continually harassing the pastor. Now, we don't know any of those, do we? His one delight seemed to be in making the pastor look bad. And the pastor always tried to respond in a very kind way. And one day, the pastor had had just about enough. And he was heckling him about his views on miracles. And he said to him, well, I'd like for you to give me one concrete example of a miracle. Just one. Well, he hauled off, the pastor did, and he kicked this guy real hard in the shin. The guy couldn't believe it. A minister did this to me? The pastor said, did you feel that? He said, yep, I sure did, as he was holding his knee. He said, if you didn't, It would have been a miracle. Jesus and his mother were at a wedding feast in Cana. The wine ran out. Mary said to him, they're out of wine. She expected him to do something, I think. His answer in the original language sounds kind of disrespectful, doesn't it? He says, woman, why do you involve me? Well, it's not really as disrespectful as you might think. But clearly, if we go into, if we go into the uh, original language, it's more like dear woman. It really was a term of endearment. Doesn't sound nice in our modern English, but it was. He said, why do you involve me? It's not my time yet. It's not time yet for people to understand and realize who I am. And so my hour hasn't come. But still, his heart went out to the people there. He cared about the predicament that they were in. And they were in a little bit of a predicament here. And he wanted to do something to help them. And so this is the first lesson that we learned from the story. Lesson number one, people matter. There was a chaplain who visited a wounded soldier in the hospital. And the soldier said, what I want to know is what is God like? I never thought about it much before the war. I just took it for granted. But now it's different. Because you see, when I'm transferred into a different battalion, before I enter that battalion, I, I, I like to know what the colonel is like. Because he's the boss. And it makes a lot of difference to me what sort of a person he is. Now I'm in a different battalion. I'll be leaving the service. And I'm in a battalion of civilians once again. And I want to know what the kernel of this world is like. Well, I think Jesus answered that soldier's question. He showed us what God is like. God is like a loving parent. People matter very much to God. In the book called Come, Share the Being, the author writes about sending a son off to college. Some of you have experienced this. And he says, quote, Nearly a year ago, Peg and I had a very hard week. Sunday night we were home, and our son Mike was 700 miles away. 
Now, we have been through this before. Bob Jr. had gone away to college, and we'd gotten used to it. So we thought we knew how to handle separation, but we're still pretty lonely and blue. Oh, yeah, our hearts are filled with pride at a fine young man, and our minds are filled with memories from kindergarten to tricycles to graduations. But deep down inside, we ached. We were lonely, and we felt pain. Somebody said, you still have three more kids at home. Three great kids. Plenty of noise, plenty of ball games to go to, plenty of responsibilities, plenty of laughter, plenty of everything except Mike. And in parent math, five minus one does not equal plenty. Then I was thinking about God. God has plenty of children, plenty of artists, plenty of teachers, plenty of singers, plenty of carpenters and laborers and preachers and plenty of everybody except us on those times when we choose not to be home. And there will always be an empty spot in his heart and a vacant chair at his table when we aren't home. And if once in a while it seems like God is crowding us a little bit, we can forgive him. It may be one of those times when he misses us so much that he can hardly stand it. People matter. You matter. I matter. The people at this wedding feast in Cana mattered to Jesus. He cared that they were in this predicament, and so he did something. You know the story. Nearby stood six stone jars, and each one would hold 20 to 30 gallons of water, and he told them to fill the jars to the brim, and then he told them to draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did, and the master tasted the water that had been turned into wine, and then he called the bridegroom aside, and he said, man, everybody brings out the best wine first, because you bring out the cheap wine after they've had too much to drink and they don't know the difference. But you saved the best wine until now. This, Jesus, John tells us, was Jesus' first miracle. Why did he do it? He did it because people matter. This brings us to the second lesson from this story. Miracles do happen. Sometimes we try to explain away miracles, make them acceptable to modern scientific minds, and we tend to soften them up a little bit. An example might be the children of Israel didn't really go through the Red Sea. I've heard this approach before. They went through the Sea of Reeds, which was a shallow, swamp-like area, and it was no big deal that when the wind came and it parted the waters. No big thing. Well, that's nice, but the interesting part of that story is that 
those soldiers who were coming to get them got swallowed by that theory, were swallowed up in a little bit of water, just a few inches of water. So it makes that theory kind of sound unbelievable. Then there's the idea that Jesus didn't feed 5,000 by some mysterious miracle. He just encouraged a young boy to share his fishes and his loaves, and the crowd was inspired by the little boy's example, and everybody reached into their, into their bags and pulled out and shared what they had. It was like a potluck, and there was more than enough to eat. These attempts to explain the miracle scientifically aren't people necessarily who are trying to uh, insult our faith or anything like that. They're just trying to, they're scientists, and they're, they're trying to understand how it could have possibly happened. But some of us have no problem just believing, and I'm one of them, that it was just a miracle. And it just happened the way that the Scripture says it happened. We see miraculous things all the time. If a small wind could part the, the waters of the Sea of Reeds, then why couldn't a mighty wind come? A tornado-like wind and part the waters of the Red Sea, the Great Sea. Stranger things have happened. All kinds of weird things happen these days. And have for a long, long time. The New Testament is based on one incredible and the most awesome miracle of all. And that was that Jesus Christ died and rose again. That's a miracle. Don't try to explain that one away to me. He died, he was buried, and he rose again. That's a miracle. So why should I dismiss the other miracles? Now that's a personal choice. That's how I feel. Miracles do happen. We have people sitting in the sanctuary this morning who are a testament to that fact. Miracles happen. And maybe we sometimes look for miracles as a way to validate our faith. A little boy sent this note to his pastor. He said, Dear Pastor, I know God loves me, but I wish he would give me an A on my history test so I can be really sure. Miracles, sometimes we ask for them. We, it, it's a way of uh, trying to manipulate God. In one incident in the movie Patton, the general was planning to attack a, a German stronghold and he needed air support. In order for that to happen, he needed good weather. And so he commanded his officer, go get me the chaplain. Figured the chaplain would have some pull with God and we'd get some good weather. We joke about the minister being in charge of the, taking care of the prayers so that the weather will be good at the church picnic. But we're kidding. In a world of devastating droughts and floods and wildfires and all the things that happen, I really hope and believe that God has something better to do than to hear our prayers for good weather for our ball game or our picnic. We tend to trivialize miracles, to look to them to validate our faith, to try to use them to get what we want from God. And we miss the real purpose of miracles. Miracles... I believe, are rare acts of God 
for God's glorification and for our teaching. We should learn something. Because they are rare and because we don't know what all the laws of nature are, and we don't know the mind of God, let's be very careful about labeling anything that happens and everything that happens that's good as a miracle. People have built their lives on events that they believed were miracles. For example, there was a man who prayed that if God wanted him to quit his job and move to a new town, that God would provide him with an unmistakable sign. Well, a few days after he made that statement, a tornado tore through his town. His garage was destroyed and torn away, but his car was left without a scratch. He took that as a sign. He quit his job and he moved. The fact that several people lost their lives in that tornado, many people lost their homes and property damage was great, didn't faze him. He had tunnel vision and he said that God had given him a sign. I don't know. Jesus warned us against looking for signs and miracles. We can't avoid the responsibility for making hard decisions. God gave us a brain, too, and the ability to use it and to make decisions on our own sometimes, asking God for guidance, rather than asking God to intervene and perform a miracle. We live by faith. God doesn't give us absolute perfect proof of his existence or of his plan. 1 Corinthians says we see through a glass dimly. We don't understand a lot of what happens or why it happens. But we can say two things for sure. People matter and miracles do happen. And then one more thing. God can be trusted. By the same power that Jesus turned water into wine, Jesus can turn our lives, no matter how broken or how hopeless they might be, into something beautiful and something good. During the early hours of the Battle of Gettysburg, Abraham Lincoln was pacing up and down, lonely and troubled. Battle reports were coming in. The fate of the Union was in the balance. Later on, he told his friends how he went into his room, he locked the door, knelt down, and prayed. I told God that I had done all that I could. Listen to these words because these could be applied in a lot of situations. I told God that I had done all that I could, and now the result was in God's hands. Lincoln told his friends, if this country was to be saved, it was because God willed it. Then he added these words, the burden rolled off of my shoulders. My intense anxiety was relieved. And in its place came a great trustfulness. That is a trustfulness that you and I can have as well. I feel this morning like I'm preaching to myself because we are in the middle of a very difficult situation in our family right now. Things that we're not going to... We're not ready to share, but we'll soon. And anxiety is intense. We're very concerned. We're very worried. But 
We also trust in God. We believe that what's going to happen is going to be for the best. And we put our trust in God. But it's hard to maintain that frame of mind throughout the whole process. And though I speak these words, it's hard for me to to live them daily. So I understand if when you get into situations where things aren't looking good, you lose that trustfulness. And God understands too. William Barclay put it like this. He said, Jesus never met a sick man who asked, but what he performed a miracle and made him well. He never met a yielded sinner, but what he offered him redeeming grace. He never met a funeral, but what he broke it up by raising the dead one to life. I might add, he also never went to a wedding feast that had a short supply that he did not solve the problem by providing more than enough. And we believe that God is going to provide and things are going to be okay. People matter. Miracles happen. Jesus can be trusted with your needs, with your concerns, with mine. Miracles don't always happen. But we can trust God if they don't to walk beside us through whatever storm in life we may find ourselves in. We can trust him with our needs and with our concerns. Amen.